You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I'm Matt Adams flying solo here with a game recap of the Colts 38-27 loss to the New Orleans Saints. They will travel to Carolina on Sunday to take on the Panthers. Again, that score 38-27 to the Saints. Just a, another winnable game for this team. That's it, It's right there. You could win this game if just a few things go your way a little bit, if you make some plays, but they're just incapable of doing that. It, it you know, it, it felt a little bit like that game last week, although it didn't come quite as down to the wire as the Browns game did. And while you don't have Daryl Baker Jr. to blame as you did last week with those late penalties, you've got Tony Brown this week to kind of pin things on. And I feel like the team put Tony Brown in a really tough situation. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. So the Colts are now 3-5 and five on the season. This is their third straight loss after that 3-2 and two start. They've now lost to the Jaguars, the Browns, and the Saints. They led this game 17-7 to seven going into the second quarter or during the second quarter, but it was 21-20 to 20 at halftime thanks to a late field goal from Matt Gay. Then the Saints really poured it on. They outscored the Colts 17-7 to seven in the second half. Just some, some really inexplicable things in this game to me. Jonathan Taylor just kind of disappeared. He had a great first quarter, and then the Colts decided to stop using him. And, and I, I, you know, we'll discuss, I'll discuss that a little bit later as to why that probably happened. Minshew had a killer interception. He kept pretty good care of the ball in this game. The Colts did cut down the turnovers. The problem is they still had a major turnover. And this one really, at the time that it happened, was a real killer. Tony Brown had a rough game, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, including some missed tackles, poor coverage. He had a killer penalty, led to a Saints touchdown, and then a game-ending completion. We'll, we'll recreate that fun moment later. Uh, really, to, to me, like the defense strug- or the offense struggled at times in this game, for sure, for the Colts. But, you know, they still piled up more than 300 yards. And while the big plays weren't necessarily there in the passing game this week as much as they have been in the last in the previous weeks, they made some big plays in the running game, and they were able to kind of move the ball when they needed to in some situations. Not all the time. There were still some three and outs and some things like that. But overall, you can count on the, def- the offense to, to move the ball. But the, the defense this game, my goodness, surrendered 38 points. 511 yards of offense that they gave up to the Saints this week. Derek Carr, just a pretty easy day at the office for him. 19 for 27, 310 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Taysom Hill, nine carries, 63 yards, a couple of touchdowns. He had a 44-yard pass on a contested catch there. We'll talk about that a little bit too. Alvin Kamara, 17 carries, 59 yards and a touchdown. Four catches, 51 yards and a touchdown. And then Rashid Shahid, your MVP for the New Orleans Saints, Three catches, 153 yards. He had a touchdown, 51 yards per catch average on those three catches. He just absolutely killed the Colts in a couple of really key situations. So that's kind of my my opening on this game. Let's hear now from head coach Shane Steichen. Um, first off, no injuries to report. Um, with that, I'll open up questions. What a we felt good about Tony going into the game, um, so that was the decision that was made. Ever thought about putting someone on someone when he was struggling, or you just kind of? Yeah, we felt good with Tony uh, in that game, and so that's what we rode with. Yeah. 
Was JT okay in the second half? Because he got the ball often in the first half, but then I think got it once in the second yeah, half. Yeah, I think in that situation, whatever, Zach popped a big one. So then, you know, we kept Zach in the game there, just kind of read the hot hand there. And then, you know, we got into some passing situations towards the end there. And that's what led to it. But he's okay. There was no. Yeah, yeah he's good. Uh, Gardner has, I mean, he, he didn't really, in the second half, ever really develop any kind of rhythm. Like, we've seen him get in the rhythm at times in recent weeks. I mean, what do you think was maybe not working? No, I think we started off, we, we had a three and out to start the second half. Um, they did some good things defensively. You know, credit to them. They are a really good defense. Um, but, you know, we did do a good job, decent move job, moving the ball and scoring points. Um, but, you know, we got to score more, bottom line. You guys were able to cut the turnovers down this week, but it felt like the, the explosive passing plays weren't as much. So what's sort of the balance in getting both of those where you want it? Yeah, that's a good question. I think sometimes, you know, you try to scheme up explosives and sometimes you hit them and sometimes you don't. And then same thing in the run game. You know, you create some explosives, you know, you pop a big run and make a guy miss. And that's how some of those are created. But, you know, we got to do a good job of creating those. Uh, and then obviously on the flip side of it, you know, we got to stop them on the other side, you know, giving up the explosives. I think you had just six rushes in the second half. Look, I get it. The score was at times a two-score game, but you, you did have some success in the running game. Passing game was a little intermittent. Do you, do you have any second thoughts about play selection at all there? Or? Um, I don't know. I'll go back and look at that stuff. I always self-evaluate my stuff uh, and go back and look at it. Take us through like what you saw um, when Gardner did make that big play to Drew Ogletree. Was that just him just creating? Or? Yeah, no, that was a scramble play. That was a huge play by him. We just had a four vertical concept going right there, and he scrambled, and Drew came across back on the end zone. It was a heck of a play, big time play. Both those guys. Did you see any interception? You know, I, it was just a double move right there, and guy came over and made a play. You know, so. Was it a concerted effort to get Michael Hemming Jr. the ball early? I think he was like the first six or seven targets of the game. Yeah, I think with anything, we always try to get all our guys the ball. You know what I mean? Whether it's Michael Pittman or Josh Downs or Drew Ogletree or the running backs, I think we're always trying to get the balls uh, to those guys at you know, any time at any point in the game. With Drew, it seems like Drew's playing a lot right now. I know you have some injuries there, but what has he done to sort of earn your guys' trust? Is this you know, he's, he's, he's a good route runner. He's explosive with a you know, ball in his hands, and then obviously he does a good job blocking, so he's got a good little mix there. And then you know, we got a ton of faith with Mo Alley and also uh, Will uh, as well. So, um, but he's doing a great job for us. With cornerback, is that a position where you, we could see potentially more changes if Juju can't go, or are you comfortable uh, with? Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll evaluate everything. Uh, when you went for the fourth down that, that got the first touchdown, that was yeah. after you were looking to kick a field goal. Kind of, how did that? Yeah, that it, was, play out? it was fourth and inches. Went on the ball fast, and then said, "Shoot, let's take the points in this situation." And then we got the, you know, they're offsides and got the fourth, and then felt really good about the call uh, there that we had, and obviously it worked out. All right, at the end there, Coach Steichen was talking about the team's first touchdown, which uh, they scored on uh, kind of a weird sequence. Let's kind of set this up here. Facing fourth and inches at the 10, Indy tried to draw the Saints offsides. They kind of went quick. They, they did some motion stuff. They kind of did a, a shift of their formation to try to get the Saints to go offsides and get an offside penalty that would get them that first down so the drive could continue. Well, they weren't really able to do it. You know, Gardner tried the hard count, and while it was effective at times last week, it didn't really work in this particular situation. And so the Colts took a delay of game penalty. You don't really care too much about that if you're going for the field goal. It's just five yards. You're close as it is. You've got Matt Gay. So I think it was been a 33-yard field goal that he, he would go for there. And he, and he hit it. He hit it. No problem there. So the Saints then picked up an illegal formation penalty because they lined up over the long snapper, which that is a protected player on the field. You're not allowed to line up over him. 
And so that led to a five-yard penalty for the Saints. That then returned the ball back to the 10-yard line on a fourth and inches, which the Colts had not gone for before and decided to take the field goal. But after the shenanigans with the made field goal and then the penalty from the Saints, they decided to go for it. And they made a nice design play call where they kind of had Minshew on this little rollout with Pittman sort of faking a block inside and then just darting out toward the end zone and nobody really covered him, and it was actually a pretty easy 10-yard touchdown. So that's what Steichen was talking about, that sort of sequence there that led to the Colts' first touchdown. I was really surprised that they came up to the line of scrimmage on the fourth and inches originally and didn't try to go for that because we've seen them, and I've complained about it before, like not taking the points in certain situations, but I don't say always take the points. Sometimes... You know, sometimes it it does make sense to maybe go for it if you have some momentum. They were running the ball well there. I thought they could pick up an inch. No problem that they decided they were going to take the points in that situation. And then they decided to to go for it again, you know, after after they got the penalty. So it's kind of one of those things. The other team makes a mistake, gives you another opportunity, so you decide you're going to try to capitalize from it and be, be aggressive. And, you know, I've criticized Steichen a little bit for some things in this particular situation. You know, not that he's going to call me up and consult me on what I think, but I think, you know, going for it again, trying to capitalize on that mistake, and it, and it worked out for the Colts here. You know, it might be a different conversation if they had gone for it, not gotten it, and then not given up, you know, not gotten any points out of it at all, then I'd probably feel a little bit differently about it. But I also understand some major aggression here is not necessarily a bad thing. All right, let's take a look at some other Key moments in the game. DeForest Buckner with a sack fumble on Derek Carr, recovered by Dio Odengbo. The Colts, though, only had two other QB hits in the whole game. And as that secondary has struggled in this season, really, you know, they made some decisions here. They Brandon Faison, they let go via free agency. I didn't think he was that great anyway, so it didn't really bother me. They traded Stefan Gilmore, who was great for the Colts last season, like truly very, very good. And then... You know, they decided to go young, so they've got Daryl Baker Jr. that they're going with, and they drafted Juju Brents, who's been pretty good, but he's he's out with that quad injury. They drafted Darius Rush, who they then waived. My, my point is, when you only have two other QB hits and just that one sack, you're not getting, you're, you're not helping that young secondary at all. I mean, your secondary just can't hold up, and it's been clear this year for the Colts that that has been the case, but that was a good sequence for the Colts. You know, they got the big turnover. They were able to change field position. That led to a Zach Moss touchdown, which was a very athletic play where he was sort of bent over and just sort of stretched toward the goal line. And it was kind of hard to see in game motion. But boy, when you saw that reverse angle of the touchdown there, you just realize how nice of a play Zach Moss made there. Now, JT ran wild in the first quarter, and then the Colts stopped using him. Now, some of the reasons are, Zach Moss needs some carries. I mean, he, he was entering the game the NFL's second-leading rusher. So he's filled in admirably for JT, who was out, you know, on, on the pup list with, uh, quote-unquote, an injury as he was uh, getting that contract stuff worked out. So you understand they're going to give Zach Moss some carries. And then also the Colts kind of fell behind by a couple of scores, so they needed to go to the passing game. And that's not necessarily JT's strength, although if they scheme up some stuff for him, it has worked out pretty well so far this season. He just he looked like that old JT for a while. And I don't, I mean, it, it, it's inexplicable to me. He didn't crack 100 yards in this game. 
he had seven rushes for 82 yards in the first quarter. And then the rest of the way, just five carries for 13 yards. He finished with 95 on the day. Didn't even crack 100. I think he had one carry in the second half. One carry for one yard. That was like their first drive of the second half. And that was it. I mean, come on, guys. This is, one, this is your best offensive threat. Your home run guy. You just paid him a big contract because he, he was not happy with the contract that he had. He wanted an extension. You just paid him a lot of money you know, a three-year, $42 million deal, and then you're just not going to use them in the second half. I just, I, I don't understand situationally how that makes sense and how that happens. Man, that, that just doesn't, uh, just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, the quarterback situation discussed a little bit is absolutely dire. Daryl Baker Jr. obviously had a rough game last week, and then he had the, the penalties at the end of that game against the Browns, and we can, you know, relitigate that and, and all, all that you want, but it doesn't matter. They lost the game. So they decided not to go with him this week, and they, they decided to take Tony Brown, who has really been a nice special teams player for him, and is really only a guy that they wanted to use maybe in nickel situations to maybe fill in for Kenny Moore if, if he gets banged up or you know needs, needs to rest for a couple plays or something like that. He's not really meant to be the outside corner. And boy, that guy just got torched in this game. A couple weird things uh, that I noticed here. Minshew had a sack fumble that was returned uh, for a touchdown, but that was overturned on review as an incomplete pass, which I do believe was the right call there. It looked like Ronnie Thomas had made a game-changing interception on uh, what would have been a 44-yard completion from Taysom Hill to Rashid Shahid, but they reviewed the interception, and they determined that it was dual possession, simultaneous possession, and it's kind of like in baseball, if you're at first base, the tie goes to the runner. If if you're in, in football here and you have a reception, if it's simultaneous possession and you have a tie, that one goes to the offense. Now, I have, I have some questions. I thought that it certainly looked like when they were going to the ground that it was pretty close to simultaneous possession. And then Rodney Thomas just kind of took it away from him there. And I, I, don't, think, I don't think Shahid had a good grip on the ball as they were going to the ground because Thomas got, got it from him. But they still called it simultaneous possession. I guess my thought was, if he's going to the ground, and let's say that there was not a simultaneous possession there, let's say Thomas didn't have his hands on him or whatever, but if Shahid's going to the ground in that situation and he does not finish the catch there, if the ball pops out, then that's an incomplete pass, right? So if he's going to the ground and does not have full possession of the ball and the defensive back takes it away, kind of seems to me like that's not simultaneous possession anymore. But, you know, I, I guess the thing is, if they'd called it a, a catch on the field, and I often say this when it comes to reviews, especially ones that go against the team that, that I wrote for, of course, but if they had called it on the field as simultaneous possession and, you know, that had been what they had originally determined, they reviewed it, and that was upheld, I think I would understand that, and then I would be surprised if they overturned that to make that an interception. So the reverse is true here. They, they called an interception on the field, then they reviewed it, and they called it simultaneous possession upon review, which I, I'm not necessarily sure that I saw that incontrovertible video evidence that is supposed to be in those cases there. But again, uh, it, it doesn't really matter. But that led to a 44-yard completion instead, uh, and, and the Saints ended up getting a touchdown on that drive. Taysom Hill, I believe, got the end zone on that one. And it was Tony Brown who, uh, right before that play, 
uh, right before the touchdown play, had a face mask penalty that set the New Orleans up with a new set of downs, although they were already close to the goal line there. Just a, a silly penalty. Uh, Alec Pierce had a catch ruled an incompletion. It was upheld as an incompletion upon review, even though the announcers and the rules expert, I believe Dean Blandino for this game, said, hey, it looks like Alec Pierce got his hand under it and controlled it, and that should have been a catch, but it, it was not. Now, it didn't end up uh, hurting the Colts there. They were able to convert on a third down and were able to muster a field goal there right before halftime. But, but the real killer here was, I mean, Minshew had a really nice pass. I'll talk about this a little bit later, but had a really nice pass to Drew, Drew Ogletree to, to kind of keep things, you know, keep the possibility of maybe coming back and winning this game alive, or at least tying things up alive. You needed a touchdown to two-point conversion to do it. The key, a key sequence in the fourth quarter, time starting to run out of this game a little bit here. The Colts still within that eight-point margin. The Saints facing a third and 13, and you're thinking, come on, just don't give up a long pass. Don't give up a 14-yard pass to, to, to let them move the sticks. Don't let them throw a 10-yard pass and a guy get four yards after the catch to get a first down. We didn't have to worry about that because they left Tony Brown by himself on Rashid Shaheed, who had already burned him uh, earlier in the game. That resulted in a 51-yard completion, and that effectively ended the game with Tony Brown in coverage there. And I, I, just, I, I just don't understand. You know that this guy's been struggling all game, all, all game. And it wasn't just Shaheed. It was whoever Tony Brown was covering seemed to be open during this game. He just he struggled. I don't necessarily blame the guy. I don't think this plays to his strengths and the cornerback situation is just a mess for the Colts right now. And it honestly has been all off season to not give that guy some help on this Shahid, who is extremely fast, put him in a one on one, one on one situation there at the end of the game. You're just setting yourself up for failure as a team and at, at for your personnel. All right, let's talk a little bit about Gardner Minshew, 23 of 41, 213 yards, two touchdowns, interception, uh, really not uh, much in the way of explosive pass plays, which we have seen in the last couple of weeks. Basically just the one uh, to Drew Ogletree on a really nice, you know, kind of a rollout pass. And Drew Ogletree didn't have a whole lot of room to get open in that end zone. But, man, Minshew hit him with a dime there. And that, that was huge because, again, it kept the game within reach. You know, if they could have gotten a stop here, maybe gotten a, a touchdown two-point conversion, maybe we go to overtime, something, something along those lines. So that's, that's the good. But the bad is a game-turning game interception on second and six at the Saints 33. So you are well within Matt Gay's striking distance there. You're on a second down play, so if you don't complete a pass here, you still have a shot to pick up a first down on the next play of the drive. But Minshew tries to get it to Pittman on a double move, but kind of sails the ball, and it goes to the outside of Pittman, whereas to me, on the replay, it looked like the space for Pittman was on the inside there, and you know may maybe one of the safeties could get there, but it looked to me like if he'd thrown it to the inside, not, a, not an automatic completion, but you know Pittman's gonna be able to get a shot at it. Instead, that ball goes outside, and it goes right to Paulson Adebo, and he intercepts it, and that, that was a real key moment in that game. After that, the Saints were able to muster a touchdown, emblematic of sort of the problems that the Colts have had with taking care of the ball in key situations. And Garner's got to be a little bit better about that. In, in the, I think it was the, the Jacksonville game, I think, kind of a similar type of deal. 
where he threw the ball to Pittman, uh, tried to force it into the end zone, but he kind of underthrew it, and he threw it kind of the wrong place. And if he'd thrown it on the other side, Pittman may have been able to get it. But, you know, it's just kind of one of those unfortunate things. But that did lead to uh, Kamara with a touchdown uh, later on, on the very next drive after that interception. So instead of maybe going up 23-21 to 21 with a field goal at the minimum there, maybe even getting a touchdown to go up 27-21 to 21 for the Colts, you know, instead they're down 28-20 to 20 after giving up a touchdown on the very next drive after that interception. You know, all, always things to improve upon. And uh, you do like that Minshew is a guy who always is accountable for things that happen on the field. Let's hear from him. What, what, what do you attribute to kind of the, the lull in the second half to, do you think? Uh, I don't know, man. I think I'm uh, going to have to watch the film. We had a couple of uh, penalties uh, kind of hurt us. I think we kind of got behind the chains. I think that was something we were doing a really good job of to start, running the ball well, getting in front of the chains, getting in some manageable third downs. Uh, and I feel like it might have got away from that a little bit. But I'll have to watch the film before. Uh, trying to get it to Pittman, um, and obviously that didn't happen, but like, just take us through the play. Yeah, we were trying a uh, double move um, to Pitt, and I threw it up. The guy didn't bite for it. Should have just kept moving on. Um, yeah, it's on me. The, the touchdown to Ogletree. I mean, you, you extended the play. What did you see? Just trying to make a play at that point. You know, original play was pretty covered. I uh, was able to get out of the pocket, and, um, you know, kudos to him. He's running a route completely the other way and turn back around and I was really hustling and fighting for it and that's uh, what it's going to take for us. How do you rank this shift as a 3-0 throw? Yeah, I don't know. Everybody talks about, you know, toughness. Can you get back up when you get hit? All right, if you get hit once, you know, so well, you get hit twice. All right, three times now, who's tough? When your body hurts, when your heart hurts, who's tough? And I think we're about to have to figure that out, you know. Uh, but I feel good about the guys that we got. I don't think we're far off. I think we clean a few things up, start playing some complimentary football, and uh, we can do everything we want to do still. Did they make some adjustments against the run later in the game? Because you guys did hurt them early on. Uh, what, if anything, did they uh, Yeah, I'm not sure really. Um, that's another thing you probably have to watch the tape to kind of know for sure. Did it feel like it, it shifted because it only had like six carries in the second half? Did you, could you tell throughout the game, or is that something that you just kind of found out later, I guess, afterwards? Uh, you feel it a little bit, um, but I think that kind of goes back to us putting ourselves in some tougher positions, you know, first and second down, uh, kind of putting us in second and pass and uh, situations where we needed to throw the ball. Um, but, you know, we'll have to look at it and figure out the best way forward. All right, let's uh, take a look at some stats for the Colts, some of our standout players from the game. Josh Downs, seven catches for 72 yards. Kind of an understated game for him, but, man, I really, I really like that kid. Alec Pierce, three catches for 41 yards, and... I think he picked up a couple of pass interference plays as well. I, I think, really, Pierce has, to me, shown within the last few weeks that he can be a productive part of this offense. I know that the numbers aren't popping off the page there, but I, I think he's starting to grow, grow into this a little bit. Michael Pittman Jr., eight catches for 40 yards and a touchdown. Pitt had kind of uh, made some comments. We discussed this on the last episode about how maybe he wasn't a big part of the offense, and then they kind of walked back those comments and stuff. But you could tell early in the game, 
that the Colts made a concerted effort to try to get Pittman the ball, especially in space on some screen passes, see if he could break some tackles, that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, kind of a not, not a huge day. A lot of catches, eight, but for just for 40 yards. He did have the touchdown, and they targeted him 13 times in this game. Drew Ogletree, one catch for 33 yards and a touchdown, just a really nice catch and a really nice throw from Minshew on that one to keep the Colts' hopes alive there. Zach Moss, 11 carries, 66 yards and a touchdown. One catch for eight yards. He had a 41-yard run. And you just wonder if they'd run that same play with Jonathan Taylor in the second half if Taylor would have just taken it and gone because he's got speed that that Moss doesn't necessarily have there. JT, uh, 95 yards, one catch for three yards for him. On defense, Zaire Franklin with 14 tackles. Shaq Leonard with 11 tackles. But uh, I tell you, look, the, the number sounds good, but... And Shaq was at least around the ball a little bit, but we've still not seen those game-changing tackles and those game-changing plays that he's built his career on. And yeah, we're we're almost to the midway point of the season now. I mean, we would be in a 16-game schedule. We're in a 17-game schedule, obviously. Still waiting for Shaq to to really have some defensive impact here, and I, I know that he wants to do that. And hopefully, you know, in this second part of the season. We'll, we'll see some of that. Colts 3-5. and five. They've lost three in a row now. They have another winnable game. I mean, that's the thing about this schedule for the Colts. And th- this is what's the worst. I mean, even with Anthony Richardson hurt, you know, they had chances to win that Cleveland game. They had chances to win this Saints game. And even the Jaguars game wasn't great, but they had some chances there. They made some plays there. It's just, it's quickly spiraling here. And they've got a chance to maybe right the ship, get things back to 500 before the bye week because they're playing a couple of the NFL's worst teams here. And uh, up next, the Carolina Panthers. They finally won their first game of the year against the Texans yesterday on a late field goal, but they are 1-6, and six, and it sounds like things aren't really going great for Carolina, who was, of course, coached by Frank Reich, the, the Colts' former head coach who was fired in the middle of the last season. This was supposed to be a battle between the number one overall pick, Bryce Young, and the number four overall pick, Anthony Richardson. But we all know Richardson's done for the season after that shoulder injury that led to surgery. We're not going to get to see that. But this is a winnable game for the Colts. If they can get this one, go to four and five, then they play in Germany and Frankfurt against the New England Patriots, who are having a miserable season, by the way. But that, that doesn't mean that you can just, you know, expect that you're going to beat them, especially having to go overseas. There's just a lot of variables there that, you know, you can't necessarily control. But if they can get those two teams, if they can get those two wins, they can get back to 500 going into the bye week and then see, you know, keep things interesting. But, you know, they, they, they drop some of these games, then this is just going to be a, a, a kind of a lost season for the Colts. And, you know, you're going to be looking ahead to how high they can get from a draft pick perspective in order to get some pieces that will make this team better. And then, of course, we've got the trade deadline coming up tomorrow as well. I don't expect the Colts to be buyers. I don't know if they'll be sellers. I don't know what, I don't know what they're going to do. Got to do something with the secondary. It is an embarrassment how that unit has played. And, you know, a lot of it just comes down to not having the players. Relying on young guys, which is fine. I mean, you're going to have young players, and we know that they're going to struggle. But, my goodness, they just don't have any solutions out there. Let's just hope it's not a long injury for Juju Brents. Let's hope he's back in a week or two, and, you know, that'll solidify. He's, he's going to make mistakes. He's a rookie. That's what happens, but they really need him out there.
Well, that'll do it. That'll wrap up this edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. I'm Matt Adams for Dave Griffiths and Mike Chappell, who will join me later this week for our preview show as we look ahead at that Colts-Panthers game. Thanks for listening.